Day two is in the books. Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, and what a night of hockey once again for the second night of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's dive right into it. As you know, we have uh, started doing a podcast every day during the playoffs and just breaking down all the games and, uh, and just talking about what exactly we saw. So let's start this one easy. Let's go Tampa Bay taking on the New Jersey Devils. Now, what I saw in this game was, I think, exactly what we all expected. Uh, it was the Tampa Bay Lightning versus Taylor Hall. I mean, really, New Jersey got absolutely nothing going outside of when Taylor was on the ice. And, I mean, really hardly any opportunities on the power play. You had three total power plays in this one. One penalty to to Wood and then one to Braden Point and JT Miller for Tampa Bay. So very little power play time, a lot of five-on-five time. And that's simply just, I mean, it's funny enough, both, you know, both teams had a power play goal, but uh, seemingly if New Jersey wants to even have a shot, it seems like they're going to have to force Tampa to take more penalties against them. I think that may be the only way uh, because their power play has, has been pretty good. So I think the other side of it is Tampa Bay is just, they're ready. Uh, I think we saw a different Vasilevsky. I think he looked much more like the Vasilevsky of the, of the first half than he did of the second. So I think that, you know, all the all the talk about Tampa Bay, oh, they peaked and all that. It's No, it's just wrong. Tampa Bay was bored. And guess what? They're not bored anymore. Uh, Tyler Johnson had a fantastic, especially a first period at two points in the first period. and But he, he looked good all game. Uh, to have Tyler Johnson going for this Lightning team makes them incredibly dangerous. I mean, we... I remember a few years ago in the playoffs when he was really the driving force behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. And so with him going on that third line with Palat and Point, I mean, that's, uh, that's just a deadly combination. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, how well Taylor, Tyler Johnson uh, plays for the Lightning. And maybe he's the guy who really drives a lot of the offense with that the top line, obviously, trying to just neutralize Taylor Hall, which is totally fine. Uh, but, I mean, notice Kucherov had an empty net goal. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely a battle of those the, the bottom pair, you know, the bottom nine, essentially, I think you can say. Uh, so, it'll be interesting to see how well that Lightning bottom nine can play. And I think you're going to see them probably roll pretty easy on the Devils. Uh, I mean, this this was what we expected, right? You just hope that, you know, possibly they can get a little bit better of a, of a showing, at least win one game. You, you always, you kind of think, well, they're probably going to win one game at home, so uh, that would be good for them. I, I, I think this is exactly what we expected. Keith Kincaid, he had some nice reactionary saves. There was a There was a double deflection where he made a nice kick save on it. Uh, I thought he played fine, but definitely not good enough to steal any game from the Lightning. So 
Is it Corey Schneider's turn to come back in here? Uh, I think that if Kincaid loses game two, I think you'll see Schneider at home. And that, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, in my opinion, you got to live and you got to die by by the guys that you decide are your starters. I don't think that Kincaid is their starter. I think that he got hot, and so they decided to go with the hot hand. But I, I don't think ultimately he's the guy who leads them through this series if they have any shot at doing so. And it's worth mentioning that Yanni Gord, in his first playoff game, is the first star of the game. He, he gets a goal. He gets an assist. And he looked very good as well. So let's move on to the Bruins and the Leafs. The Bostons get first tilt at home. And the first period was all Boston until about the... And, I mean, we're looking at a power play goal from Marchand. And uh, it was a, a nice little backhand goal. Boston's controlling the majority of the play there in the first period. And... You know, it seemed like you were going to be happy to go into the first at the end of the first period as the Leafs down one nothing the way that they had played. Now, Zach Hyman essentially takes them on his back and pushes off the defender, goes around him on the backhand, scores a nice little goal over top of Rask's pad. So the Leafs managed to head into the second period tied one one, and really in the in the second period it was a much more even game. I think that. The Leafs went into the locker room and they were able to you know, make some adjustments and they were able to actually have some control of the play. It was funny. I was watching this game live and I actually went into the bathroom about the 10 minute mark of the second period and something in my head said, you know, the way the, the Leafs are playing fine now, but it really it wouldn't surprise me to see the Bruins just win this one four to one or something. Just just the the way that the Bruins had been playing, it looked like they were ready to to break out. And I think that there was that was probably a pretty consensus type of feeling, especially as Bacchus scores on the power play at fifteen forty three, and then Pasternak scores with thirty eight seconds left of the third period. Uh, a couple defensive mistakes on that power play. It was a it was a nice centering pass by Krejci to Bacchus, but Ron Hainsey's in front of the net, and instead of taking Bacchus, he is looking at the puck the whole time. He actually does connect with the puck, but it's with one hand, and the pass is so strong that it tips off of the stick and and goes right to Bacchus, who is is there for an easy tap. And with Pasternak, he drives the net, and uh, and. You know, he gets a nice goal as as Marshawn also makes a nice play. I mean, literally that that goal, Pasternak from Marshawn and Bergeron. That's that whole line. That line absolutely dominated. Uh, I I would say that Matthews, Austin Matthews for the Leafs was essentially non-existent. I said his best shift was with about five minutes left, and at that point, it's five to one Bruins. So it's a little bit too late for the Matthews line. Uh, I thought that Nylander. Didn't look like he was all that comfortable out there. Uh, Marner looked fantastic. Marner drove his own line. Uh, I think that they did a good job getting him the puck. And and you know what? Good on Marner for actually looking like he he cared. Uh, for whatever reason, it looked like Matthews was a little a little hesitant. I don't know what it was. Uh, whereas Marner, I mean, you know, you can make an argument that you don't need Marner hitting anybody. He's a 160 pounds dripping wet. 
does he really need to be out there trying to throw his body around? Probably not. It's really not the game that the Leafs play. And I think that if they get into a a physical matchup with the Bruins, that that's just going to spell disaster. That they have to use their speed. They did not look fast in that game at all. The Bruins neutralized that speed very well by keeping control of the puck and causing the Leafs to chase. And that, again, the Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron just toyed with the Leafs the whole night. Uh, and there was times when definitely having home ice was a big advantage. There was a, a one particular time when uh, it was actually the, the Bruins' last goal, I believe. Uh, no, maybe it was their, it was their third goal. Uh, the, there was a faceoff in their own zone. It was uh, the one with 38 seconds left, a faceoff in the Leafs' zone. And Komarov, Kapanen are both on the ice. And so they take advantage of it because it was an icing call. And so they, they take advantage of it. They put their top line out there, and they just absolutely toyed with them and scored. So there, there were certain opportunities. now, And then Babcock's going to have to work hard, I think. I, I, he said that they were going to embrace that Matthews line being against Bergeron. I I really think that that's a, that's a, a foolish move. I think they need to do everything they can to avoid that, especially when they go home and they have that last change. I think you need to put Kadri out there and then his line, although he, we haven't even hit on what Kadri did uh, coming in and, and just a, a bad hit. He may be suspended. He has a hearing today. And so it was, it was on uh, Tommy Wingles who had been giving him fits early on, earlier on in the game. Wingles really getting under the skin of a lot of Leafs players. Wingles playing like I think, We've seen in the past Komarov play like. Komarov didn't really look like he was under anyone's skin, and that's the only reason to have him in the lineup. He was playing on the power play, the penalty kill, and even strength. That is unnecessary unless he is under the skin of the opponent, unless he's causing Bruins players to take bad penalties like Kadri did and resulting in a five-minute major and a 10-minute misconduct, and it's looking like he'll get suspended for at least a game. I, I, I think... I think that the five and the ten were enough, but seeing what Doughty got for his hit uh, the other night, I don't think that you can give Kadri less than one. Unfortunately, because it was a, it was a very predatory hit, I'd say, and it, and it was very an, a, a very emotional hit, and he did it because he was pissed, and it almost makes it worse in terms of your intent. So. I think Kadri suspended, so unfortunately, that's that's going to shuffle around that lineup a little bit. You should see, we should see uh, a Dominic Moore come in for uh, game two against the Bruins. So all in all, I mean, Anderson played fine. Not really, none of it was Anderson's fault. Uh, I, he definitely kept them in it in the first period, in the second, and the Bruins just floodgates came through. Bruins showed, and they played a Bruins game, and that was exactly what they wanted. And so the Leafs are going to have to find a way to use their speed, or they're going to be. This is going to be a quick series. Okay, let's move on to maybe the best game of the night: the Washington Capitals and the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it got going <laughs> on a power play early on. A, a two power play goals within. 40 seconds of each other. It was on a double minor. And Kuznetsov gets them both, both from Backstrom and Carlson. So the score sheet reads Kuznetsov from Backstrom and Carlson two times in a row. And 
both on the power play. So a good start for Washington. And well, Columbus did. Columbus had some good opportunities. Uh, I thought that Philip Grubauer played played pretty well. But I'll tell you what, Bobrovsky stole the show, in in my opinion. I, I thought he played fantastic. There was some big-time opportunities that Washington had, and he's, he was very poised, very focused. Uh, a lot of really good team defense, which we know coming from Wierenski and Jones that that would be the case. Uh, but there was a, a particular play where the puck was up in the air and people are batting at it. And it was actually a, a defenseman for the blue jackets. I can't remember who, who batted it out of there. So a lot of, a lot of very good awareness around the net for the Columbus blue jackets, but the blue jackets managed to get back on the board with a Wenberg goal. And then Thomas Vanek coming in with uh, with a big goal to tie the game at two. So actually he is the, uh, he had an assist on the first goal. So Vanek with two points in this game, you're going to see where the trade deadline comes into play in a game later in our, uh, in our evening of the playoffs. And so I think what we saw tonight was hey, those trade deadline trades can make a big difference in the playoffs. They're already making a difference. I mean, these guys are making a difference in the regular season too, but Vanek with a nice goal there and uh, Smith Pelly. Putting the Caps back up top, but that would be the last time that they scored as Seth Jones would tie the game for the Blue Jackets. Panarin getting his second assist of the game. And then, of course, in overtime, Panarin takes on two men, and he has this nifty little backhand to forehand, and it was it was like it was all one motion. It just happened so fast. Puts it in the top corner. Kincaid not ready for it. Should have been out a little further, in my opinion, to play that puck. But Panarin with his third point of the game. And does, I mean, this team is running on Panarin. Really, this team is Seth Jones and Wierenski, and then it's Panarin to create a lot of that offense. So I think we saw exactly what the Blue Jackets wanted. I don't, obviously, they don't want to get down 2 nothing. I think that was their, their biggest mistake was they gave Washington six opportunities on the power play. And, and that was 11 minutes worth of power play time uh, off of two goals. Whereas, I mean, the Caps gave them. Two opportunities. They managed to score, or four. They managed to score on two of them. Uh, that was the Vanek goal and the Seth Jones goal, both on the power play. So a lot of a lot of special teams play in this game, and I think that that will probably continue to be the story of this series, uh, along with Bobrovsky's goaltending. Can Washington get the kind of goaltending that uh, that Columbus was getting? I mean, even though even though he allowed three goals, he made some fantastic saves. Uh, Ovechkin held off the score sheet. I don't think that'll be the case moving forward. He usually is good for every other game getting a goal. So we should prepare for that. And, uh, this, this series is gearing up to be a very tight, but nicely high score. I mean, both these teams have, have uh, good, it looks like their offenses are, are rolling where Columbus didn't look like that would be the case early on in the season. Uh, that first half, but they are finding their touch. Panarin looks great. I think that the Capitals need to do everything they can do to shut down Artemi Panarin, and they'll have a better chance of shutting down their offense as a whole. Okay, so let's move on to the other top team in their conference, and that would be Nashville over Colorado. 
This was a 5-2 Nashville win. And I'll tell you what, though. So Colorado strikes first, and they're the only team that scores in the first period. That was Zadorov from Ranton and then McKinnon. And when when you're watching this game, it was like, okay, Colorado's kind of playing the way that they need to. You know, they're they're playing really desperate hockey. Uh, they were taking some chances, and that was that was great. Uh, Austin Watson scores a nice goal three minutes into the second to tie the game. And very quickly, a minute and a half later, Blake Como scores from Soderberg and Nieto. So really quickly, Colorado jumps back up on top. And, you know, it looked like eh, maybe they can compete with this team. But it also, you know, the, the broadcasters in the broadcast were, they were saying, like, wow, you know, it sure looks like Colorado's come here to play. And, blah, blah. and I was just thinking, you know, I... I don't think this is a, a matter of Nashville not coming to play. I think that, you know, sometimes when you're the underdog, you play like the first 10 minutes of the game is the whole series. You're going to win the series that quick. I think that Nashville just knows better. I think that they were, they just continue to play their game and they just come in waves. I mean, you, you throw the Johansson line out and then Turris and you've got Sissons. You, you've got their, their energy bottom six where everybody can score all throughout their lineup. And so I think that Nashville just wasn't worried about it. And fair enough, Craig Smith scores on the power play. That, and then the third period came, and it all just really opened up for Nashville. Uh, you saw Forsberg score two goals in the third period, uh, including one just absolutely beautiful goal. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely go check that out. Uh, we, when, when, when we were watching this game, it really did just have that feeling of, okay, when is Nashville going to break through? Because it didn't look like Colorado. I mean, Colorado just does not have the depth to go head-to-head with Nashville. And and it's fair. I, I think that Colorado showed that they were going to be competitive. They played well. It's funny. I mean, a 5-2 five, a five game, not much different from a 5-1 game uh, that the Leafs had with the Bruins. But the Bruins looked like they were in control pretty much the whole game. Whereas the Avalanche... It, they actually had some some pace to them, and they were using their speed. But, you know, Nashville is so good that they were able to really adjust to the speed of the avalanche. And I, I said it about the Golden Knights and the L.A. Kings that I wondered if the Kings would be able to adjust to the Knights' speed. But they weren't able to do it at all, really, in that in that first game. I, I think that, you know, even though it was just a one nothing game, you didn't really get the sense that the Kings were adjusting well to their speed. Now they might in the second game, but that just shows you how good the Predators are. Where in reality, in about a period, they adjusted and figured out, okay, this is how we'll play the Avalanche, and away they went. They win that one five two. Uh, Bernier not particularly strong in net. He made a couple of decent saves, but. Uh, and also made a couple mistakes, and so I, I think that, and they, boy, do they miss Varlamov. But the crowd heavy on Jonathan Bernier, of course, they're chanting his name and, you know, giving the you suck chance and all that. And so uh, Bernier will get a heavy dose of that in Nashville. Pecorine made some great save when it was, when it was one nothing in that first period, he made some great saves. You never know, you know, Colorado gets up three, nothing, and it's a little easier for them to, uh, to play a shutdown game at that point. And so, uh, Pecorine, obviously still a crucial part of this team, probably will win the Vesna trophy and, you know, shoot Nashville goes and wins the cup. Maybe he wins the Smythe too. That remains to be seen. 
nevertheless, let's move on to our final game of the night where I said that trade deadline acquisitions would play a role later on in the evening. And they did indeed in this game between the Nashville or between the Anaheim Ducks and the San Jose Sharks. Uh, a first period scoreless. The second period would be where every single goal comes from. Uh, there was, geez, there was a lot of power plays in the first period. There was uh, there was two penalties on Anaheim and one on San Jose, and then in the second you had three power plays for the uh, for the Sharks, including. Yeah, Cogliano and Getzlaff go off for slashing within 16 seconds of each other. And then that sets up 10 seconds after Getzlaff takes the second penalty on the five on three. Evander Kane wide open in the middle of the ice from Pavelski and Hurdle. And so Evander Kane gets his first playoff goal of his career. I, I believe that's his first playoff goal of his career. I, I don't know. I don't think he's been in the playoffs since then. Uh, and so, yeah, well, either way, he gets his first playoff goal as a San Jose Shark, and that's from Pavelski and Hurdle. And then uh, just six and a half minutes later, he strikes once again from Pavelski and Dylan on a uh, – that was that was even strength that time. And uh, that puts the Sharks up 2 nothing. And then Brent Burns, two, about a minute and a half later, scores a goal from the point. Of course, this patented – you know, Brent Burns doesn't – wind up and take a huge slap shot. Brent Burns is just sending a nice little snapper in from the blue line that uh, John Gibson just doesn't see. Goes right over top of his pad, and it's kind of one of those those uh, those dropping shots where it's just kind of dipping on you, and it, uh, it finds its way into the back of the net. So a 3 nothing Sharks win, and what I gathered from this game is that this series will probably be quite different than all the other series in the sense that it is going to be much slower. Uh, man, it, it, it felt like at times that this game dragged a little bit. There was a lot of neutral zone play. Uh, definitely not a whole lot of offense coming from Anaheim, just 25 shots on goal. And a lot of those were desperation shots the, towards the end. I mean, they took seven Penalties. One of them happened to be happened to come at 20 minutes, uh, where there was a matching penalties for Colorado or for San Jose and, and Anaheim. But nevertheless, giving up six power plays and 10, 10 minutes and 16 seconds of power play time, and the only reason why that wasn't more is because San Jose scored on it. So, and some of that was five on three. It's just way too much. E- even if you're not so worried because Joe Thornton isn't there anymore, I'll tell you what, Pavelski looked fine on that power play for. For San Jose, and and even though yeah they they were one for six on the power play and only scored at the five on three, I mean it's it's still that's all that time where you're probably not scoring a goal. Anaheim didn't look like they were scoring a shorty, uh, so I I just think that they gave them way too many opportunities there, and it just really didn't look like they had any offensive spark. Uh, Getzlaff is going to have to be the Getzlaff that we remember from last year in the playoffs which uh, he maybe just hadn't gotten his jump going. And that may be what's, I mean, he was flying at the end of the regular season. Uh, I think he almost had a point per game there at the end. And I, I don't know, they just need to, they need to play Ducks hockey. They need to be able to get the puck in and cycle the puck. And they just weren't able to do that. The Sharks were shutting it right down. So I think that you'll see a better game out of Martin jo- or out of uh, John Gibson and Martin Jones with the shutout in his, uh, in playoff game one. And so 
yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, I like watching these games because they're late and there's nothing else on. But if I'm honest, I fell asleep in this game. It was, it wasn't the most thrilling game. Uh, but you never know. These, these, these series can, can ramp up in hatred and maybe some, uh, a little bit, you know, teams find their speed as, as we go on here. So it, it just seemed like this was going to be, I don't know, from the outset, it felt like it should have had a little more aggression towards each other. Like, you know, we're watching that Jets wild game where there's a hundred and over 120 hits in that game. And there wasn't the same type of feel in, in this one. It was, it was a little slower, a little, a little more paced. And that may be, be two teams that are already in a playoff mindset. They know how to play in the playoffs. And so they aren't coming out trying to just take your head off in the first 10 minutes of the game. But it did have a, a little slower start to it. Hopefully the rest of the games are a little bit more, a little more entertaining, we'll say. So, But all in all, a great second night for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Of course, we have yet another fantastic night up and, uh, you know, three more games. The Flyers take on the Penguins, the Wild and the Jets, and the Kings Golden Knights play each other again. And uh, all that starts at 7 o'clock, that Kings Golden Knights game at, at 10 for the late night game. Super excited about that. Hopefully the Flyers can score a goal. And uh, if not, then Matt Murray will set a record for most consecutive playoff shutouts. Uh, the Wild will look to get back even with the Jets in Winnipeg. I, I just Honestly, I don't see it happening, but I do see – Minnesota going back and and even winning both games in Minnesota. Just they're that good at home. I think six road lo- or six losses at home in regulation all year long. And then can the Kings adjust to the Golden Knights speed? That will be the big question mark and can they generate any offense worth speaking of? You know, and and now without Doughty for that game, man, it's going to be tough for the Kings to win and a 2-nothing Golden Knights series lead is going to get people talking. Okay, so uh, this has been Overtime Hockey Talk. We, uh, tweet at us, at OT Hockey Talk. We'll uh, answer any questions you have and throw out any comments. Love to hear from you. Enjoy those games tonight.